Well, church, I am happy to be with you this morning. Happy for all of you that are worshiping here in our Family Life Center and for those that are watching on the live stream as well. I'm thankful for all of our worship leaders. I'm thankful for Brooke Pray with the uh, announcement from our generosity campaign. We are continuing a sermon series today, and I have a message from John chapter 5, continuing our faithful worship series. We had a possum that had gotten into our shed at my childhood home when I was a middle schooler. My dad had discovered it, and he said he needed some help in shooing this horrid beast out of the area. It was located in the far corner of this alcove in our shed, and my dad couldn't get back there, so my small stature at the time was helpful for him. He told me that it would play possum. What did that mean exactly? It's going to play dead. Now, I was a middle school boy, and I was keen on when I was getting played. I had an older brother, and I knew the common tricks of the day. I knew that my shoelace was not untied. I knew that I had not spilled something on my shirt. I knew that I did not want a Hertz donut, no matter how much I actually wanted a donut. If I was not to be fooled by older, stronger, smarter kids, how was I going to get fooled by a possum? I got back towards the area where the critter was hidden, and I saw it. A fairly small creature, and I couldn't tell if it was breathing. But it looked to me that it was dead. I looked back at my dad and said, you're not going to believe this, but it's actually dead. Ben, I'm sure it's not dead. It's playing possum. It's going to play dead. It's going to pretend to be dead. I looked back at the tiny, furry marsupial in the shed. Dad, this thing is dead. My dad got back there as far as he could, and he looked at the possum. He looked at it for a few seconds and looked back at me and said, gosh, you're right. I can't believe it. We stepped out of the shed to reassess our plan for now removing this dead possum from our shed. And as we set our plan, that same possum ran out of our shed. Either this possum passed from death into life, which is unlikely, or it had fooled us. It had played dead very convincingly at that. In this morning's text... Jesus tells of an hour that is coming and is now here where the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He also tells of those who are in their graves, they too will hear the Son's voice and come out. But there is a divide in their next steps. Those who have done good actions to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. This is from John chapter 5, verses 24 to 29. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. 
and he has given him authority to execute judgment because of the Son of Man. Do not be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Let us pray together. God, giver of life, reveal your truth to us in this scriptural word. We pray that you would transform our lives and our congregation more closely to the likeness of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning's pericope draws little distinction between those who are physically dead and those who are spiritually dead. The tenses and times of past and present and future seem to fold up in this understanding, and they're really not of interest in the words of Jesus in John 5. Instead, what is important is hearing the Son of Man and His voice. And this response to hearing this word is based off of our actions in our lives. The ministry of Jesus is all about life. The Gospel of Matthew tells of the lineage and the lives that led to the birth and life of Jesus. But John's Gospel begins with a reframing to the introduction of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things that came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. He who has come into light, into being, was life, and the life was the light of all people. Jesus' ministry is centered on being life-giving. Jesus performs miracles and, and heals people with the aim of protecting and preserving and giving meaning to life. There are even multiple angles and approaches to Jesus' actions and responses and understandings of life. Scripture further explores the, the temporal and transient nature of life. James 4.14 says, You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In Genesis, Adam is reminded in the garden in more somber terms about the temporal nature of life. He's told, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Death in general makes us pretty uncomfortable. We don't really know how to talk about it either for our loved ones or for ourselves. And this pandemic has not made our discomfort with death any easier. Latest reports estimate something between four and a half to five million global deaths from COVID-19 and over 700,000 deaths from COVID in the U.S. When I was in college, I took a religion class on death we explored the different understandings and faith perspectives on death and on dying. We read excerpts from Thomas Aquinas and Augustine. We read Kubler-Ross's On Death and Dying and Sherwin Newland's How We Die. 
We met in the basement of the library on Monday nights from 7 to 10 p.m., and we talked about death, and even more mysteriously, what happens to us after we die. It was a super uplifting class, and I looked forward to it all weekend. I couldn't wait for death class on Monday nights. But one of the questions that we explored was wondering if we could be life-affirming and yet not death-denying. One of the hallmarks of the abundant life in the Christian faith is an acknowledgement of the reality of death and yet not fearing death. For death does not have the final word. In this passage, Jesus does not say much about what happens to us when we die, but the voice of Jesus, the Son of Man, is heard by the spiritually dead and those that are in their graves. There is a resurrection for all, but the destination is judged by Christ based off of our moral actions. Those who have good actions to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Within this section of Scripture, there is little wiggle room for you or me to try our hand at judging the eternal fate of anyone else. The authority to execute judgment lies squarely with the Son of Man, with Jesus Christ alone. Jesus handles the judging, and you and I have the responsibility of living. Of living and embracing our eternal life in the here and now. For the hour is coming and is now here. This is not a race for us to get to eternal life on the other side of this physical one. As Reverend Jessica Tate, formerly of Next Church in Louisville says, resurrection is not out there. It's not post-death sometime in the future. Rather, it is coming towards us even now. The hour of the cosmic significance of good or evil, of life or condemnation, invades our present. It's not just in the afterlife. It's already here in our life. Instead of eternal life beginning at death, eternal life begins at belief. This concept to us does not sound astounding, but it is. It does not sound revolutionary, but it is. It does not sound like good news, but it is literally the gospel. John 5, 24 says that anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. This sounds an awful lot like another familiar verse just a few chapters earlier in John's gospel. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that anyone who believes in him would have eternal life. It's John 3.16. Our salvation is in God's hands with Christ bestowing judgment or righteousness. And yet for us the promise remains and it's difficult to put any plainer. Eternity is in the future for those who are in Christ. It begins now, this very moment. When we hear and follow the voice of Jesus, we are called to live our lives worthy of the manner of this calling, for we are transformed into new creations, even while living on earth. For while we were dead to sin, we heard the voice of God and responded. 
So much of this life puts pressure on us to do everything perfectly. Our students are stressed about their academics and making sure they're taking the right classes to be on the right trajectory for the rest of their life. And folks at work are stressed about the number of projects and tasks to be completed. Some folks are back in the office and others are still working from home. There's pressure and anxiety and worries about safety and kids are are showing symptoms of social anxiety due to be isolated in unhealthy ways. Young people and older folks are being hospitalized and dying from this terrible virus. Something like two out of three college students say that their mental health and depression have worsened in recent years. We are challenged to live in the light of this present hope for the future. But I can tell you there are moments when life does not feel all that hopeful. Sometimes it can feel like playing alive instead of feeling and being alive. This passing from death into life is not on our own efforts. We are not responsible for resurrecting ourselves from the dead. There have been and continue to be many changes within the history and life of the church. In these past years, we have seen significant technological advances in the lives of churches. Churches are recording podcasts and creating videos. We're live streaming our worship services. And embracing these needs brings us into the life of the church. And it brings the church into people's homes for convenient means and by necessity. Thomas Cranmer was the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1533, and he completed a challenge that was similar in intent. He wanted everyday, ordinary people to be able to worship and pray in their homes, and so he compiled some of the most common and influential prayers of the church and the life of the church and published them into a book. This was all well and good, but he made a decision that was ripe with controversy. The language of the church at the time was Latin. The mass and the services were in Latin. But Cranmer, he wanted to put prayers into people's hands and homes that were commonplace, that were easy to understand, and in the common vernacular of the day. He published the first book of common prayer in 1549, featuring prayers and litanies in English. And it resulted in Cranmer being accused of heresy. It's a dangerous thought to think that the God of all creation could speak to us in the present tense. It's a dangerous thought that the God of all creation could speak to children and teenagers and everyday people like you and me. It's dangerous to think that God could speak words of hope in the darkest of times and give life even when death seems like the only certainty in the world. For our faith is a choice against despair and hopelessness. Our faith is not the good fortune of a life after death, but it is in our eternal life beginning now. If we have heard God's voice and believe that Christ has risen from the dead, how can we play dead in our lives? No. 
We must be alive and giving life. For Christ gives life when we feel downtrodden or hopeless. Christ gives life when we're too panicked to know which way to go. Christ gives life when there is injustice all around us. Christ gives life when being about resurrection is not of our own efforts, but through the goodness and graciousness of God. Every part and person within the life of the church should know and experience this new life. And obviously there are days and seasons that don't call for this outward optimism, but our faith emboldens us to confront despair and worry and stress and hopelessness and injustice and any sort of divisiveness and even death itself. For we are raised from our death, lifted out of our graves and given new life. For if we were dead to sin, we are alive in Christ, and this eternal life should be bubbling up all around us. This is not an avoidance of death. It is not a denial of mortality or finality. It is clear, though, that God desires life for the world. So much so that God became flesh and took on human life. Christ showed us the fullness of human life, so much so that he took on death and showed us that still, once and for all, death is not the end. When all is lost and there's nowhere to be found, when everything is going wrong and you can't find the strength to keep going, when the clouds roll in and pressure and stress and despair is all around, Christ gives life. And shows us a way that we can understand. Jessica Tate tells a story of a young woman worshiping in church for the very first time. She knew of Christianity, but she had never been to a Christian worship service. She wanted a community for her two young girls. And, and after the service, she spoke to the pastor. She said, I heard you say something during the service but I must have misunderstood. You said that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven, that the old ways are gone and new life has begun. And her eyes filled with tears, and she said, I'm sure that I must have misunderstood because I looked around and no one looked surprised. If that's true, that's the best thing I've ever heard. As followers of Christ, resurrection is somewhat ordinary, and yet it deserves to be celebrated each and every time. We can easily become to new life and, and even stop taking notice of the things around us that pass from death to life. But in this way, we are not playing dead with our spiritual lives, but we are playing alive. In an article in the Interpretation Journal of Bible and Theology, our own senior pastor, Dr. Noel Schoonmaker, remarks on the quote from philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, who said, I might believe in a redeemer if his followers looked more redeemed. Our Christian witness has the opportunity to show the world the way of Jesus. If we are alive in Christ, we cannot live as if we are dead. 
We must again be shocked by this abundant life and eternal life and this life of eternity here and now. And this calls for us to care for the vulnerable, to love with great risk, to offer grace when it's easier to keep score. The love of Christ compels us to show mercy when we have the upper hand, to mourn with those who mourn, and to share joy and laughter with those that are experiencing that. This abundant life and eternal life is not reserved for some time later. It's not only after death, it is here, it is now. The world is watching, and Jesus is calling. Mary Oliver asked the question in her poem called The Summer Day, tell me, what do you plan to do with this one wild and wondrous life? Live a full life, full of compassion and full of joy, full of exuberance and love, full of tears on some days, and full of laughter on others. But people of God, let us live a life that is full and full of faith. Faith in the one that raises us from death to life, that others may see our good works and our Christian witness and join us in praising God. Amen. If you have never put your faith in Christ, I would encourage you to do so. I will be up front to receive you during our next song. And maybe you would like to reflect on where new life is, is springing up within you, within your Sunday school class, within your home life, within your office life. Maybe you'd like to access our prayer station during this next song and, and light a candle or reflect on the, the gift and the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or maybe right where you are, you'd like to stand and to sing and reflect on the life that is bringing up within you. We pray that you would experience and know this passing from death into life and then to live out your life in a way that honors God's people and honors our resurrected Savior Jesus Christ. Let us stand and sing together.